It is a delight to really share the word of the Lord. Um, I do enjoy crafting a sermon, preaching, but I don't like to do the same sermon or deal with the same topic in the same week. Uh, or like what happened this week was I, 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 I really thought I had it by Thursday. I sat down, I wrote it down so I'm going to have a weekend for myself. Yeah. Sat down Saturday afternoon, wanted to review it. I don't know why, but I said, oh, there's something uneasy about it. Well, I ended up finishing last night. I had to rewrite the whole thing. Because when I approached Scripture again, something else came up that I had not seen before. I said, wait a minute, this is exciting. But how do I deal with this? I've never dealt with this before. I've never taught this way before. So let's try it. No, I've done it before. <laughs> but, but, but it's exciting because... Uh, as you approach the Word of God, it's always fresh and new. And I am one that deals with this thing. I have been dealing with that, with that book for over 30 years now. And how can it be that an old, musty, ancient, perhaps irrelevant book of the ages is so active and live and relevant today? I insist it is because this book is the only book in the whole world that actually comes with the author. So when you are tangled up with this, with this book, it is not you trying to figure it out. It is a conversation. It is the book speaking to you and you speaking back to the words, the Spirit, the divine one who is within you. Let me read the Scripture and then continue, uh, and, and we'll go into the introduction. This is the final Sunday of a four-week series of, of what we call about the Holy Spirit. We started with Pentecost on May 15th, and I have here a fellow Presbyterian pastor who doesn't know this, but here at Light of Hope, we practice Pentecost for like three months long. Ordinary time is just too boring. <laughs> so we milk, and we last Pentecost right through the end of July. And our theme has been understanding the Holy Spirit, looking at the Spirit of God moving in our lives, and, and, and we have basically discovered two main duties of the Holy Spirit. I found a worship guide. I think my, no, Linda found, my administrative assistant found a worship guide that was hanging around here. Somebody was making notes on the message, and I was able to read the notes of the message. The person was listening. They're good listeners, and, and they wrote very, very clearly the Two reasons that we're studying on how and why the Holy Spirit gets involved with us. And the first reason is what? The Holy Spirit does is to make what? The words of Jesus real in our lives. Can we say that? The Holy Spirit is to make the words of Jesus real in our lives. And in doing that, then the Holy Spirit helps us to what? Understand God. Can we say that again? Understand God. God. Not only the Holy Spirit applies and makes the words of Jesus real in time and space here today, but also the words of Jesus and the Spirit of God guides us into understanding God better. So listen to and for the word of the Lord as I read out of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 through 26. Jesus has actually been moving around quite a bit this chapter and before. He has been healing, but particularly he has been having arguments with some of the leaders of the church, what we call the Pharisees and Sadducees, what I call the pastors and elders today. I'm one of those. <laughs> so he's had this awful argument with them. 
Actually, the verses before, he just slammed them with, whoa, you guys, hypocrites. In Matthew, he uses the word hypocrites. But this is the same section that we see in Luke in this synoptic. So let's look at it. Then some called out from the crowd in the whole midst. As Jesus is crowd, you know, in the whole conversation and shouting is going on. Then some called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, friend, who, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you have. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced many, many crops. He had to himself what, what I should, uh, he asked to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger storage and I'll have more room enough to store more and more wheat and other goods. Then I'll sit back and tell myself, my friend, you've really done it. You have enough stored away for years to come. So take it easy, my friend. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very day. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool when they store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Then turning to the disciples, okay, who are the disciples here? I guess it's you guys, right? So turning to the disciples, Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For God feeds them and, you, and takes care of them. Far more valu Aren't you far more valuable to God than any of those birds? Can all your worries Add a single moment to your life? And if, you, and if you worry, can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? What's the use? Uh, where I come from in Puerto Rico, now you know. <laughs> Is that a speech impediment? <laughs> An accent. Uh, there's a saying. If you can't deal with it, why worry? Do we have something similar in the South? <laughs> there probably is. If you can't beat it, join it, something like that. See? But it is fascinating that in the series that we're teaching, we are really testing and, and exploring the Holy Spirit. And the reason why we're testing this is because as we have been sharing, I believe that if God 
the living eternal God, the one who created everything that is seen and unseen, the one who initiated a relationship with you and with me, the one who extended the hand down to the darkness and brought the light, the one who calls us one, no matter where we come from, no matter what language we speak, no matter how we look, we are all one in that one family. I believe that that God who has called us to have that experience wants us also to have an extraordinary life. Do you agree with me? And when I talk about an extraordinary life, I'm not talking about a life on TV, a life on media, or a life out there where we shine and get popular. That is not an extraordinary life. An extraordinary life is a life that goes ahead and changes other people's lives as their lives begin to change, sometimes secretly, sometimes quietly, but most of the time under the sponsorship and inspiration of God. So I believe that God wants us to be free, that God doesn't want us to harvest to our fears as we began in the first Sunday, that God doesn't want us to hold on to our guilt and shame as we discussed later on, that God does not want us to have, to, to have our minds split up, and God does not want us to wear the guilt, shame, and worries that other people put on ourselves, on us. It's not enough, the guilt, shame, and, and fears that we have on our own, but then we voluntarily sometimes carry on, take on the worries, the fears, the guilts of other people. How many of you do that? Liars. <laughs> That's why we're here. <laughs> okay. So the, 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 the whole thing is, is that God's Spirit can make us free from our fears. God's Spirit can make us free from the guilt feelings. God's Spirit can make us free from worries that paralyze. Listen to this. They paralyze. They distort. They obscure. They misrepresent. They lie to us about life. Therefore, I'm reminded of the words of Jesus when He said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. This is not truth that talks about how many people live in Marietta. This is not about factual truth. A lot of the truth that will show us, that the Spirit of God will show us, is about ourselves. And you shall know the truth about yourselves. And once you know the truth about yourselves, then you can be free. I love the first statement, 1.11 of John Calvin's Institute of, of, the, uh, of Christianity, uh, Institute of the Religions of Christianity, the whole thing. Yeah, I know. Instituto de la Religión Cristiana, because I read it in Spanish, you see. <laughs> and, and chapter 1, sentence 1, paragraph 1 says, We are able to know God as we know ourselves. And we are able to know ourselves the more we know God. That is why God has sent Christ so that we don't have to be afraid of knowing ourselves or knowing God. And we can see our fears, we can see our guilt, we can see our worries, and move away from them. Move away from them. Look at that little ribbit. I mean, when, when Jesus says not to worry, he's not talking about don't think about your house. No, no, no. Don't make that a priority in your life. Make something else a priority. The, uh, uh, this last week, I was able to go to Orlando, as I told you on Sunday. I drove down on Monday. In uh, Monday evening, I met with the Interfaith Coalition of Orlando, and they prepared us to meet with some of the families of the victims of the, of the massacre in Orlando at the club. Uh, what's the name? Paul's. Paul's, yeah. We drove through it in the van. They took us around. And then we met with the families and some of the community activists. They were angry. Because, you know, when people suffer, they go through denial Anger, depression. So they're in their anger stage. 
And guess who they were angry at? God, yeah. Have, have any of you ever experienced anger with God? Let me see those hands, otherwise, okay. The level, straight, 100%, okay? Right here. And, and, and they were angry because the first things they heard from the people of God was condemnation and judgment. <clears throat> and, and I was dismayed, and I don't know how that thing, and suddenly I ended up over there. And, and we were the other side of the church. We were, there, we were there listening to them. We were there extending the hand, a shoulder to cry. We were there listening and understanding them, even though I don't understand some of the stuff I heard. I, I hope I played a good role for the glory of God that I was understanding, empathetic with her pain. I did meet the one mother who found out her son was gay as she found out her son was dead. And the guilt and the shame... And all of that playing in there. And yet, the church was there lifting people up. The church was there caring, loving, extending that hand. We're here for you too. That was a privilege. I thank the session and the church for allowing me to do that kind of stuff. In this text, we basically find uh, uh, three conflicts. Three conflicts arise as Jesus is teaching throughout. He is walking. He's not sitting down. He is walking through the people, and he is teaching. And he has just, you know, as he's teaching, there is a fight among people. You are this. You are that. And he says, no, you are the hypocrites, he says. And so somebody says, hey, master, teacher, why don't you fix this issue between my brother and I? It's interesting that the guy went for that because there are laws in the Jewish law. There are, Josh, in the, in the, in the Jewish statutes of how to deal with inheritances. But apparently this young man was not happy with how the rules, how the split was going to go down. So he wanted something else. So he went to what he thought was a higher power. And Jesus, knowing his places, no, no, no. There are rules and regulations for that. But he takes the fight of money. He reads the heart of the young man, the greed, the desire for money, and breaking relationships for money. Money destroys us. Oh, no, it doesn't. We all love it. It allows us to buy things. It allows me to keep that AC on yesterday. The hottest day in four years, and that's my time here. It doesn't get that hot in the Caribbean, people. I know that. So Jesus is walking around, and, and suddenly this whole argument of money. Money tends to tear people. How many of you know that money tears, tends to tear people apart? We all know it. We know that it is not a good thing to have, especially if you're greedy. It is a good thing to have if you're generous. And guess who God likes to give money to? The greedy or the generous? The generous. So if I'm saying generous, I'm saying that God provides for us so that we can hoard it, we can buy. You know one of the fastest industries in our country is right now? You want to make some money? Build storage warehouses. It is incredible. It is one of the fastest industries. We just can't accumulate much stuff in our homes. Now we have to go rent a storage where we don't use stuff for years. I was one of those. And, and one day I get a bill. From Jack in a Box, something like that, a box something. And I said, Loida, what's this? Oh, that's our storage stuff. Since when do we have a storage place? Oh, we've had it for two years. What? <laughs> and, and I haven't seen the stuff. Let me have the key. Let me go in there. 
dudes, dudettes, <laughs> my sisters and brothers, there was nothing in there that I missed in the last two years. So we had a garage sale. And then we gave it all to whoever. <laughs> but this is a syndrome. And we fall into it so quickly. And then we have those who will not eat a, a piece of candy so they won't throw the, the paper away. Like my sister, you know. No, I won't buy that. I'll save the money because even the paper is worth something. So they would not buy. And then they save money. And that's good. Saving is good. It's healthy for you and your descendants, obviously. But what does it do? The first conflict in verse 13 and 14 we see is a man catches Jesus' attention and asks to judge about money. Money tends to either bring the best in us or the worst in us. It depends who manages our heart. That's how we will see money moving around. The second conflict that we see is not only the conflict with the people amongst ourselves, but the second conflict is in verses 15 and 20, and this is the following. He says, uh, um, then he told the story. It's the conflict of the rich man who has a lot of land, who has a lot of money. He's, he's raking it. He's making it in that economy. He's got so much that now he's going to go for the warehouses again. Greed breeds what? More greed. And what happens is that instead of him giving away, listen to the contrast. Instead of him giving away what he had extra, what did he do? He saved it. He hoarded it. You know, I wonder if Jesus is really addressing with these two conflicts, the conflict of greed and the conflict of saving stuff, you know, and, and making uh, warehouses for ourselves. I wonder if Jesus is dealing with the issue of trust. I wonder if Jesus is really addressing the issue of trust. And who do you rely on for your life, in your life, and at your life? I'm wondering. I find a third conflict as Jesus is moving amongst them. We had the two fighting with each other. Then we had Jesus tells the story to, to the people around him. And, and, and then the third, he turns to the disciples. And then he kind of brings it home to the disciples because he says, then turning to the disciples, he says, this is why, guys. You see that? You see that? This is why. This is why. I, I need to tell you. This is why I tell you not to worry about stuff in life. Worry can literally give you ulcers. How many of you know that? Worry can literally make you fat. Worry. <laughs> yeah. Ah, come on. <laughs> you must burn it. You see, worry is something that destroys us. It depletes us. Demands of life, we have to pay a bill, it becomes a concern. We don't have the money to pay the bill at the moment, it becomes a worry. The date, the deadline comes in, it becomes in what? Stress. And it takes away our focus of life, it takes away our priorities, because it takes away life. It shrinks our perspective. Worries shrinks our lives. 
worries do not let us see everything, the whole potential of what God is presenting for us and to us. A church worries itself when they don't see offerings coming in, but God has provided infinite you know, sources. And, and every time I pray, Lord, what's going on? I hear the words, and session leaders, please listen to this one. I keep hearing the words, you got it. What are you asking for? But we hang on to it fearfully and worryly about, oh, what if? Worry tears us apart. Worry means split of mind. It is conflict. It is confusion. It is paralyzation and inactivity. Worry about th- worrying about things, it takes who's got control. If you can control something, would you worry about it? Not really. Unless you're like me, that you're a procrastinator. And then you worry all the way to the end, and then when you do it, it's done. Phew. Like last night's sermon. This one. But you see, Worry, worry, and anxiety, by the way, it's a split mind. It divides us. It takes away our freedom. It takes away our creativity. It takes away the things that allow us to function, to respond to circumstances in our life. We worry because we don't believe God is in control. Today in Sunday school class, we talked about believing God versus believing in God. How many of you believe in God? How many of you believe in God? Okay, fair. Now, let me ask you this, and you got to think about this one carefully. How many of you believe God? And that's a totally different thing. Very good. My mama is getting bigger back there. Worry because we can control it or not. The conflict or priorities is about who is in control, really. We worry because we don't trust God. And then we get in control of the stuff, and we worry because we don't know how to do it. So why worry? Let's begin worrying about trusting God. That's what we should be worrying about. Am I trusting God enough? Am I relying on God enough? Am I being able to, to, re, to recline, to trust, to really believe God in God's, what God is saying about my life, about me, about this situation right now? So why worry, Jesus said. Then Jesus gave three statements. So the three conflicts, he gave three statements. And we'll finish with these three statements. In the first statement, when they were fighting the two brothers, he says, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. So there's not only greed of money. There's greed of stuff, greed of status, greed of fashion. This morning I suffered a little bit of that. I got in late because I had wardrobe misfunction. How can a piece of shirt be burnt in the back when you don't even smoke? That's a mystery. So I have to run away. <laughs> so greed is spread in many, many different ways. Statement number two, when he's telling about the, the, the story of, of the guy who just grew his, his fruit and, and grew his cattle, he just stored and stored and stored. The words of Jesus that we are to reflect, to think about, and maybe apply to our lives if we identify with that is, yes, a person is a fool. When they store and they make everything good in life, but don't have a healthy or a rich relationship with God. What's our priority? Is it stuff? For younger families, it is survival. It is the job to keep it. It is the payments of stuff to keep the roof, the food, everything, and some entertainment. That's a struggle, and that's not bad. But is that the focus of your life? 
Can you hop off that train and get into one that God is in control, God will provide, I will go to work at time, yeah. But God is in control. The third statement, as Jesus is dealing with, with, with a hypocrisy and, and he's dealing with, with the disciples, as he tells them, this is why I tell you not to, you know, have a different way of life. And he says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Ah. Well, the truth is that you could. If you have a healthy diet and you exercise properly, you will be able to expand your life by 1.2 years from the average. That's it. I got a medical doctor here. I'm not going to say my opinion because it's not. <laughs> so why care? No, we got to care. But you see, that's what it balances to. So if we are the people of God, people that God has called from everywhere to make a difference in our community, people that God has allowed God's own spirit to come in so that God can free us from fears, God can free us from guilt and shame, and God can make us free from worries. If the Holy Spirit duties is to make the words of Jesus real in our lives, if the Holy Spirit duties is to help us understand God, then let us move ourselves and let us move into the freedom that God offers us from, from all sorts of things that are holding us back. What's holding you back? Give it up. Uh, last week, for those of you who were visiting, I actually gave the recommendation to some members in the congregation to write their guilt and do what? Flush it down the toilet. Yeah, very graphic. Yeah, I know. Anybody do it? Not looking because I know. It. But you can do it anytime. Remember, something's really bothering you, but let it go. The psalm says that God takes our sin, our brokenness, and buries it in the most, in the deepest part of the ocean. I add, and then God places the signs, there's no fishing. Don't go there. Give it up. God has forgiven. God has restored. It is the Holy Spirit that calls us to be the light of this world, to be the salt of this earth, not to be tasteless, but to be flavorful, to be, oh, yeah, give it to everybody, and everybody wants some more. So, you see, we are called to be light in the world, not to be paralyzed by fear, by guilt, or worries. We are called to go out in that community and make an impact like we attempted to do last week when we put our, our, our rainbow flag in the bulletin board. And let me be honest with you, it was a sign that I put up there that was teared up the most. They didn't know I had a lot more. They would tear out. Now, I know a couple of times it was weather, but we haven't had that situation, you see. So it would be back up there. Hate. But guess what wins? Love. And that's the idea. In the process of our lives, God tells us through Philippians, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Go to God. Tell God what you need. And then thank God for that which He has promised. Then you will experience God's Irene. Irene. My dear friend here, Irene, she's a neighbor of mine. Which means peace. Then you will experience peace. Then you will experience God's peace. And listen to this. Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts from greed, your hearts from fear, your hearts from guilt and shame, and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus.
Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you because your word is real and it is your spirit that brings it down from wherever it's at and brings it into our hearts, removing every block, removing every situation that may place an argument against it. And we declare that your Holy Spirit is planting your word firmly in my sister's and brother's heart. They will give up to your spirit as we discover your love, as we discover your grace as we discover your compassion towards us. Thank you, God, for speaking to us. Thank you, God, for walking with us through this week. My dear sisters and friends, oh God, they have needs. They have concerns. And at this moment, we feel comfortable after you have spoken with us with words of love and grace to come boldly before your presence with our concerns, our worries, our fears, our, our concern for loved ones who are sick and ailing, our concerns for jobs that look iffy, our concerns for our finances, oh God, our concerns for our kids, their schools. We just heal her before you with a multitude amount of needs, and yet you care enough to even tell us not to worry. We thank you for Jesus who taught us these amazing words and, and who really just brought it down. He brought it home to us as he shared about what's your priority, guys? Is it you or is it me? And he, and, and he told us so that we are reminded, seek first the kingdom of God and all the good things about it. And then everything you need will be provided. We thank you for the prayer that he taught us to say together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.